This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I'm Malia White, real life bosun and cast member on Bravo's Below Deck Med. Working in my industry can be very interesting. These are my stories. As you'll find out, my world is a total ship show. Today we have a very special guest, uh, dear to my heart. He is a good friend from Hawaii back in the day, and his name is Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Hey, aloha, everybody. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, I'm actually in Kaneohe, Hawaii right now, and yeah, excited to be on your show. Okay, so Dustin, before we actually get started, I have to tell you, I was in Hawaii in like January, and I matched with you on Bumble, but I was like leaving the (laughs) next day, so I didn't say anything, but I had like looked up you know, your website and read all, like your story and everything. And then Malia was like, oh, I have this friend who would be really good for the podcast. And she was telling me about you. And I'm like, okay, I definitely matched with that guy when on Bumble, like in like January. <laughs> Dustin, luckily for you, she was flying out the next day. <laughs> oh. Missed my chance, dang it. <laughs> you dodged a red flag. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> How can you say that? Kidding, kidding, obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, where should we dive in? Uh, well, okay, so first of all, Dustin and I met in Hawaii um, I think it's kind of blurry, Dustin, because I only remember, well, like we went sailing. I just remember lots of like pineapple jalapeno margaritas, <laughs> <laughs> which you taught us how to make. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, we hung out a bit because I was dating your roommate. So yep. I was at the house quite a bit. <laughs> I remember that. And so, yep. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. And yeah, I always enjoyed hanging out with you. That sailing trip, I think, was blurry for everybody. Everyone was pretty smashed on that trip. <laughs> yeah, it's not my brightest mariner moment. <laughs> okay, and so to back up, Dustin has a pretty, I mean, I would say now it's an incredible story, but also a, like um, a pretty devastating one in the beginning. Uh, but you've turned it around to make it something amazing. Um, do you want to share that with us, Dustin? Yeah. um, So back in 2008, I was hit by a drunk driver and uh, my arm flew about 50 feet from the scene of the accident and I was nearly killed. Uh, They amputated my foot the next day and I had to make a phone call to save my own life. Uh, The guy who hit me kept going. He drove about another 600 meters from the scene of the accident. And so I took my phone out of my pocket and called 911. And actually paused for a second to think about it, you know, because I knew my arm was missing and I knew my foot was badly damaged. And I was like, if I actually make this call, I'm going to have to live as, you know, disabled person. And so it took me a minute to actually work up the courage to make the call to save my own life. But after that, I was uh, my health insurance company sued me for almost half a million dollars uh, because the accident wasn't my fault. Blue Cross decided it wasn't their responsibility to pay. It was the person who hit me responsibility to pay. 
And since Hawaii is a no-fault state, he only had like $25,000 in coverage. So Blue Cross put a $440,000 lien on me. And then about five years, four and a half, five years after the accident, I completed a bankruptcy. I completed paying the IRS debt. And this is probably right about when I met you, Malia. Yeah. And then, um, and then I decided, you know, I found this list of people who had set records sailing around the world alone. I was like, well, there's no double amputee on that list. I'm going to do that. And so I started saving money and I read books and watched YouTube videos to learn how to sail. And I bought a $12,000 boat and I took off. This, I mean, Dustin, I, like ever since I've met you, like your spirit and just the way that you've taken something that I guess if it happened to me or like pretty much anyone I know probably would have been a lot different outcome, you know, but for you, you've not let it slow you down a bit. And I guess going back to the accident, wasn't it? I mean, was he ever found like did they because it's Hawaii. So was he did he actually get jail time or? Yeah, he did. He, okay. uh, you know, he the wheel came off his truck when he hit me. So he wasn't that far away. And so they found him and he got sentenced to felony negligent injury. And he did about a year in jail, but then he went back in for something else. And like you were saying, like the pause to call 911, like that's such a decision of like, okay, what's how strong is like my will to live in this situation. So, and then like before the accident, I know you were living in Hawaii and what, tell us a little bit about what you were doing before the accident. Before the accident, I owned a carpet cleaning business and I had a commercial fishing boat. And then I also uh, worked at the Sheridan part-time as a waiter and bartender. And that's how I learned to make the pineapple uh, jalapeno margaritas. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I had a really comfortable life. I had a nice house and a Mercedes and a motorcycle and a fishing boat. And yeah, I was really, really doing pretty well in Hawaii. And it was just that one moment when he hit me, suddenly I was half a million dollars in debt and just on this completely different path. Wow. And yeah, also just to make it clear, Dustin, you were riding a motorcycle that night, right? Yeah, it was a RC51 Honda. Yeah, and then um, as I know you today, Dustin's a huge scuba diver, like water, ocean, like sailor, well, now a sailor. <laughs> we'll get to that, but um, so yeah, I, I know that you've told me before, but. I think you said, you know, if you couldn't dive again, then you didn't really want to live, basically. Uh, I was curious if I'd be able to dive again uh, at the time of the accident. And it took a while because I was on blood thinners. And so the doctor was like, well, there's not really any data on how pressure affects someone on blood thinners. And so I had to wait till I was off of those. But I actually went scuba diving before I even got my prosthetic legs. So I went and did a manta ray dive one night when... uh, you know, before I even was able to walk again. That's amazing. I mean, I think I'd be the same way. I'd be like, take me diving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't care about walking, so take amazing. me diving. So you made the decision, you were looking up like world records and you had made the decision that, uh, that you wanted to sail around the world. And then you said that you read like books to learn how to sail. I know this makes us look so bad. <laughs> Justin's like over here like, all right, let me just figure out how to sail. I mean, I'm that like, to me, I'm like, how did you do that? How did you like practice on a sailboat? Like, what was that process? Did you raise money? Like what did, what was then your next step? Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't have any sailing experience and I didn't even know anyone that knew how to sail. So I didn't even have someone that I could just ask questions about it. And so I got a bunch of books to learn how to sail conceptually. But the problem was, is I didn't know a lot of the vocabulary either. I didn't know what a halyard or a sheet was or whatever. And so I started like 
YouTubing halyard sheet, reef, whatever. And so that way I could see what they were doing and actually kind of learn the vocabulary as well. And so for about maybe six months, I was working on the boat and kind of learning these things conceptually. And then uh, there came a time where I actually had to go out and see if I knew how to <laughs> sail. And the first trip I had as a captain of the boat was with my friend Brandon and two other guys who didn't know how to sail. And we sailed across the Al Nui Haha Channel to Lanai, which is one of the most dangerous places in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And I mean, most of the sailors here that I've met, like they wouldn't even consider taking their boat in their island. And it was the first time I'd ever sailed that I did it. Wow. So you're I very out this. like <laughs> adventurous, but also a little nuts. He's adrenaline seeking for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Adrenaline seeking. <laughs> That's insane. Um, and how, how was that first trip? Like, did you instantly love it or were you like, oh, I guess I can sail? <laughs> it was pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. the, the trip across the channel all the reefing lines were in the water the halyards were in the water we caught a mahi mahi like once it really started getting rough and it wrapped around the wind vane so i wasn't able to use the self-steering either so i had my foot on the tiller for like eight hours oh all the guys gosh. were down below sick like comatose <laughs> and so by the time we got to the other side of the channel i was like hey someone come up here and it was actually john came up and he grabbed the tiller because I had to go use the bathroom. And <laughs> oh my God. I like my leg had cramped up and then we had to get the fish out of the water. The fish was still dragging behind the boat. We dragged the fish for like 25 miles and we got the fish on board. And yeah, and then it, was, it calmed down in the Lee of Maui. So it started to, you know, the guys came back to life and we were able to start sailing. So I was able to get a break. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then did you have to sail back? Yeah, so we stopped in Lanai for one night, and then we went to Oahu the next day. And this was for my friend Jeremy's bachelor party. So all of us went partying in Oahu that night, and then Jeremy and John flew back. And then me and Brandon sailed over to Kaneohe, which was also a really tough trip. And then ended up coming back through the Molokai Channel, stopped in Molokai and Maui, and then back across the Anuihaha, back to Hawaii. Wow. And then I think it was... Yeah, you I think it was that. probably between then and when I left that I went sailing with you and John that day yeah. and Tanya. And uh, so there was about a month I was back in Hawaii before leaving. And we fixed up the boat and had that benefit concert at Lulu's. Yeah. And then and then I left. The first time I'd ever sailed alone by myself, like was leaving the big island to Palmyra, which is a thousand mile trip. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, so your goal that you set out to do, um, why don't you explain that, Dustin, like what your actual goal was to achieve? So my goal was to be the first double amputee to sail around the world alone, yeah. which I've now done, so I yeah. accomplished that. Yeah. And um, so I'll actually be in the next Guinness book, too. They're going to do a little media yeah. bit about it next month. Oh, oh my awesome. gosh, this okay. is amazing. So I'm really curious what your thought was when you, you had decided, I want to be the first double amputee to sail around the world. And then your first trip with your buddies was like, sounds like it was a nightmare. Like, what was your thought after that? Were you like, all right, I got through my first trip. I'm ready to go. Or were you like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a bit scary. Um, and also leaving the Hawaii community behind. Because after yeah. my accident, I had this horrific debt and there was so many horrible things that happened during those years. But the Kona community was always behind me. Mm -hmm. And so leaving Hawaii to go off on my own again, and I, I knew nothing about the sailing community or the yachting community. And honestly, yeah. like I grew up a bit of a poor kid. So like I never considered going to a yacht club. You know, I thought they were going to be a bunch of snobs. Yeah. And 
but it turns out like the sailing community like completely accepted me as well. You know, I just went up and I accepted an award at the Annapolis Yacht Club and I went up to New York Yacht Club on my East Coast trip. And, you know, I've become part of this community now, but I just I never expected that. So just leaving that community in Hawaii was probably the most difficult thing. But now I have this whole new community as well. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, for sure. In the sailing community, I mean, it's such a diverse group of people, and it's all over the world. So that's a pretty cool community to be a part of, especially with your accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so from what we've said, like from what I've talked to you about, your boat was not fitted at all. You didn't have it changed at all, correct? No. So my first boat was a 1968 Allbirds 35, and it was not outfitted in any way. It, right. I mean, it was still like a really old boat. So even like a newer boat would have been much easier to sail. And um, that boat ended up <laughs> ended up in Thailand. And by the time I got to Thailand, it was completely falling apart because I was out of money and you know I had no way to financially fix up the boat. And that's when I did a crowdfunding. So I started GoFundMe and a Patreon and a website. And I started doing media interviews because before that, I didn't do any media. And I raised enough money on the crowdfunding to buy the new boat. And and since then, I've continued the crowdfunding and it's taken me all the way till today. So it's what I've been living on for the past five years. And we have to ask, so what was the hardest part about sailing for you by yourself? Uh, reefing the mainsail is probably the hardest thing to do at sea because whenever you do it, it's rough and you have to get up to the mast and yeah. And it, you know, most people have two hands, so they hang onto the boat with one hand and then use the other hand to do what they need to do. And so for me, I just have to wedge myself in somewhere and clip off and use one hand and use my teeth and stuff. And did you have any close calls while you were gone? Not really. I got hit by a storm in American Samoa. And it was just like maybe 200 miles from American Samoa. And it was about two days of 50 knots of wind. And the deck seam on the boat split. So I took on a lot of water. And I didn't realize where the hole was. And so like when I put my foot down in the cockpit, I was like ankle deep in water. And I was like, oh, great, I'm sinking. And my first thought was like, I'm going to have to end up in the life raft. But I pulled the floorboards up and all the water went down to the bilge and pumped out. And because the water was coming from up above. So it wasn't oh. the bilge wasn't even full. And so I was able to find where the leak was and I stuffed a bunch of t-shirts and plastic bags in it. And oh my yeah, it, it slowed the leak enough to Jeez. where the bilge could keep up. So what was your, what was your route when you first started? So I did a year and a half in the South Pacific. I did Hawaii, Palmyra, Kiribati, Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea. 
And then I went through the Torres Strait, did Australia, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Thailand. And then across the Indian Ocean, I did uh, Sri Lanka, Chagos, Madagascar, Mozambique, South Africa. So I went around the Cape of Good Hope and then sailed up to the Caribbean. And when COVID hit, I was in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And so I ended up sailing up to the Northeast United States. So I did Rhode Island, New York, and then sailed back down to the Caribbean when things were starting to open again. And then I went through the Panama Canal, Galapagos, Marquesas, and Hawaii. Do you have any just like story of like a specific group of people that you met that you just had like a wonderful time with? Like one night that you're like, that was such a wonderful night with those mm. people. So one of my favorite spots and people was in Uraparapara, which is in the Banks group of Vanuatu. And there's a really small tribe. They had uh, no internet, there's no satellite, no cell phones. And their only communication with the outside world is like a supply ship that comes in every six months or so. Wow. And uh, I was the first boat they'd seen in over a year, like private boat. So the chief paddled out his canoe as soon as I anchored. Um, his son, his name was Jean-Claude, showed me all over the island. And, you know, I'd have dinner with them every night. And one night I actually brought all the kids to the boat to watch movies because none of them had ever seen a movie before. Wow. And so I had like 20 kids on the back of my boat and watching the Avengers on my laptop. And I didn't think about it. But the next day I went to shore and the adults were like, oh, all the kids had nightmares about the green monster. But, you know, they had never seen violence before. Like an American yeah. kid that's, you know, 10 years old watch the Avengers no problem but these little island kids were so innocent wow, and yeah, when I left amazing. yeah when I left they were all crying and like saying goodbye and I was like I've only been here a week it's like my family doesn't even cry when I leave <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for you personally when when you were sailing did you also try to stay out of touch a bit or like were you trying to you know kind of be off the grid and use because like when we go to sea it's very for us you know it can be very mentally clearing yeah um i mean i was forcibly out of touch a lot yeah. of the places i went to like i didn't have a satellite phone or anything so Destiny, everywhere you didn't have I, a sat phone no <laughs> what and so no i got a after i got to fiji i got a garmin inreach so i was able to get weather predictions and stuff on that and that's why I didn't see the storm coming in American Samoa, because I didn't even have any weather updates on the boat. Oh, my gosh. Don't tell me this. That's insane. So you were just like, all right, let's go. No weather, no sat phone. Like, what'll happen will happen. You were doing it like the settlers were. Well, like a true sailor. Yeah. I'm so impressed. Yeah. What an incredible, like, you've probably gotten to experience things that some of us will never get to do in our lifetime. Like... That's such an incredible journey. I think, yeah, it's a unique experience showing up by yourself. And then also me as a double amputee, like a lot of these small villages, they don't have hospitals or antibiotics or anything. Nobody would ever survive an injury such as this. Mm -hmm. So seeing me show up by myself on a sailboat is like a unicorn or something, something they wouldn't even think was possible. And so I always get this amazing warm welcome. And I spend a lot of time with the locals, you know, where most sailors come in and take some pictures and then go back to the boat and have drinks and dinner. Mm -hmm. And I'll usually stay on shore and have dinner with the local people and, you know, experience their culture. And I go out spearfishing a lot. So usually any of the locals that go spearfishing, I go spearfishing with them. And that is so, that's awesome. So do you keep in touch with a lot of people that you did meet on that trip? 
Yeah, as many as I can. Uh, almost everybody's on Facebook nowadays, so it's, it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah so true. all the sailors I met along the way are on my Facebook, and a few like of the you know the places that had internet. You know, I've kept connections with those people. Um, where was the best food? That's tough. Uh, I know. Indonesia is probably the one I'm missing the most. Uh, really? The Padang food. Um, you know, they had uh, like jackfruit and uh, yeah. just lots of like interesting curries and stuff. And yeah. like the other foods you could pretty much get here. Like you could find Thai food and most stuff you could find here. But you don't really see Padang food anywhere, which is something that I really enjoy. Um, some of the meats in South Africa too, like ostrich and, oh. you know, the different elks and stuff, they were really good. Yeah. So Still how tongue. was sailing around South Africa? Cause obviously that's one of the most treacherous areas in the world as well. Yeah. It's a tricky one. Uh, and it, it's much harder than Cape Horn. Like Cape Horn's a bit rougher and well-known, but it's not very far to get around Cape Horn. It's only about 80 miles. But to go from Anchorage to Anchorage or like Marina to Marina going around the Cape, you know, it's like 500 miles between spots. So there's that revolving logos through there. So pretty much every three days, there's really bad weather. And it's almost impossible to make those jumps in three days. And so it, it makes it really tricky. Is that, did you experience some pretty bad weather down there? I, I saw 45 knots. Um, it was the roughest I saw on the trip around, but it, it was, I picked good weather windows and it took a while. I spent like two weeks in Durban and oh, nice. I spent a week in uh, a Port Elizabeth. And then from Port Elizabeth, I got a good weather window and I went all the way around to Hot Bay. Nice. Okay. So were there, were there certain destinations that you like stayed, you know, put your sailboat, parked it there and stayed and went like more inland and explored while you were there? Did you stay pretty much like right along the coast, like truly on the coast the entire time? No, I, I stayed quite a bit. The uh, I was in Indonesia for 10 months. Uh, I spent a year in Thailand and Malaysia. And so my dad lives in Thailand. As yeah, Malia knows, say. she visited him. I was going to say, yeah, I saw your dad in Thailand. I had a beer with De uh, Dustin's dad in Thailand. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I got to take my dad sailing to Malaysia and back a few times. And yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time. I stopped in 36 countries. And so in the seven and a half years I was away, maybe about... 10 or 11 months I was actually at sea. So oh, the rest okay. of the time I was pretty much on anchor. Yeah. And did you have friends or anything that would come and meet you and do like this leg with you? Yeah. So I couldn't take anyone on a trip that was like towards my goal because uh, then I wouldn't be sailing around the world alone. Oh, right. Okay. But I'd have friends come visit and then I would just have to bring them back to where I picked them up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. That's so incredible, Dustin. Uh, so would you now consider yourself a sailor? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I could. <laughs> he I think better. I have to now. <laughs> he better. <laughs> That's so awesome. And so, where? What's the goal now? So, will you stay on dry land for a while? No, I'm actually taking a job up in Rhode Island. So, I'm gonna captain a 78 foot sailboat for this season, and then possibly bring it to the Caribbean for the winter. And yeah, and then see where it goes from there. I, the owner's really nice guy and uh, I talked to him about possibly doing the Northwest Passage on his boat and wow. he's receptive to the idea so and the Northwest Passage is at the top of my bucket list now. So is this you're going to be a captain for a private family so you're kind of joining the yachting industry? <laughs> kind of yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Oh my gosh this is awesome and then so 
you'll be a captain and then they'll like take it down to the Bahamas and stuff for now. Yeah. And then... So just run it around New England for the summer and then I'll, I'll get it ready to cruise, you know, cause it's been, you know, just like a weekend boat. So probably do some solar power and set up the water maker and thanks for cruising. And then by wintertime, bring it down to the Caribbean. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Jeez, all of this from like, did you, I mean, did you ever see your life going this way? Like being... I, yeah, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect like really to be accepted in the community. And I was really surprised the first time I did a yacht delivery was from Fiji to New Zealand, which is a really tough trip. And yeah. this guy with like a like a half a million dollar catamaran I was like hey you can take my boat to New Zealand I was like you realize I just started sailing like two months ago <laughs> you know I was like very clear about that he's like I saw you come in here on anchor he's like you'll be fine and yeah oh but gosh. then after that I've done five or six deliveries now the last three deliveries I did were on multi-million dollar boats so what does a delivery mean does that mean that you're like just literally bringing the sailboat from point a to point b to get it to wherever the owner wants it to be yeah yeah exactly right. so like the last one I did was from uh, Rhode Island down to Grenada in the Caribbean. And I've done a, one across the Pacific, a couple in, you know, a couple down in Fiji and Australia. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so so cool. what captain's license do you hold now? I don't have one. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, I'll probably get one. Uh, <laughs> I have enough sea time that the insurance accepts me as a captain for deliveries. Ah, and unless okay. I'm taking paying customers on the boat, it's not required. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, oh. of course, because it's not commercial, is it? It's just... Yeah, and so, yeah, I will probably get one. I was actually thinking while I'm up in Rhode Island, I'll probably get my captain's license. I love that you've gone around <laughs> the world, and now you're like, yeah, maybe I'll get a captain's license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he showed you up. Hell yeah, he has. He's showed up pretty much everyone. <laughs> yeah, literally everyone. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Such a cool story, Dustin. Well, thank you. Um, well, yeah, we won't keep you. I know you're in beautiful Hawaii. And uh, yeah, so just so everyone can reach out and those who are moved by your story um, that can donate or just follow your journey, um, is it still the single-handed sailor? Yep. Uh, my Instagram and Facebook are both the single-handed sailor and my website's the singlehandedsailor.com. And you can get some awesome. cool merch on his website yes. and uh, support Dustin <laughs> in any way that we can. And so what we about the, crowd, the crowdfunding? Is there a link on your website or... Yeah, there's links on the okay. website. There's just like a buy me a beer icon or something. And oh, yeah, if you want to take down. I, uh, I'm going to, uh, the crowdfunding is going to keep me going for the next month. And after that, once I start working, I'm going to put it on hold. Okay. So, okay. Gotcha. Cool. Well, we'll definitely be throwing that up on the Total Ship Show uh, website so everyone can join in and watch the adventures as you continue to be a captain because you're, <laughs> I mean, you're more of a captain than <laughs> Um, anyways, much love, Dustin. Enjoy Hawaii. I miss it a lot. And thank you so much for doing this. Um, I miss oh, you. Cheers. Thank you. A Huda Media Production.